0: Good morning. All week long, heated debate ahead of the spring cost of living package to be announced on Tuesday. And while anything with spring in the title might feel a little jaunty, this one is a lot more downbeat because people are feeling it. Last Saturday, Colm O'Mongon walked the streets of Limerick to bring us these voices.
1: The Treasury is outrageous. We're okay, but if it gets any more, you know, any... It would be very, very hard to keep up. Like, we turned our electricity practically to nothing, you know, it turned everything off, and it's still coming out 360 every two months, you know. It's a big bill to have. You have to keep a track of it. You could be blown the face trying to say, oh, we'll save this this week or next month. Do you know what I mean? There's always something that's outgoing and it just seems to getting worse and worse everything is going up nothing is coming down but nothing's been done about it it's the same old story the poor get poorer and the rich get richer tight enough yeah we're still in college so
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah things are I'm still living at home like so I get about a uh... 100 euro a week. (laughs) Yeah, it's tight. I'm out of college. I still live at home, but, like, bills are split. I don't have parents paying for everything. But it's just crazy. Like, my sister got her estimated gas and electricity bill yesterday, and it's over 700 euro. Like, how can people
3: afford that? Like, I can't understand it to keep um, putting up the prices, and all these companies are making so much money.
4: Bills, monthly bills, how do you find them? No problem. No problem, yeah? I'm a very wealthy guy. I'm very lucky. Right, very good. Good for you,
0: sir. Unless he's being sarcastic. Quite possible. But there was some good news. A drop of over 40% in wholesale electricity prices. Back, in fact, to pre-Ukrainian war levels. Hooray. So will we be seeing that in our next bill? We will not. Here is Charlie Weston of the Irish Independent with Rachel on Morning Ireland. Our
2: prices continuing to fall.
5: They are on the wholesale markets, Rachel, and it's extremely frustrating for consumers to see that wholesale gas prices, and gas is the important one because we use gas for half our electricity generation, wholesale gas prices are way down, as you say, 41% in the last three months of last year. So why isn't that being passed on, people are saying? What's going on here? The problem is that the the, the, the prices we're seeing fall are the spot prices. So if you're an energy company and you go out today and you want to buy wholesale gas, that's the price you get today today. The, the, the energy companies are locked into these uh, contracts. They buy gas in advance. They're called futures or it's called the process is called hedging. They buy at a price now to be delivered in the future. And that's to smooth out the volatility. Um, and, and they're kind of locked into these contracts. Now, they should start to unwind soon and this should be feeding through the price cuts. We could do with some more regulatory intervention to make sure that we're not being ripped off on this, but we don't regulate prices for consumers in this country, unfortunately, Rachel.
0: Smoothing out the volatility, eh? And all of that by way of a lead-in to quite the over and back between Sarah and Fine Minister of State at the Department of Enterprise, Trade and Employment, Neil Richmond. At issue, targeted versus universal supports. And if you haven't had your coffee yet... Don't worry, this
2: will wake you right up. I'm just not entirely clear why it is that the government is going for another big tranche of universal payments this time around, or indeed any tranche of universal payments, when we know there are people who are choosing between heat and food.
6: And they they will be absolutely prioritised um, in the cost of the Because they weren't the measures. last time
2: though, the bulk of the payments went to universal payments the last time.
6: Yeah, in terms of absolute money, but in the terms of people who receive the most amount of benefits, it were those people who were at the most uh, delicate position in terms of the lowest um, economic background, and they will absolutely get the bulk of individual payments. Even though there will be a need for universal why? measures, because why? Because everyone's struggling with the cost of living, and just because um, some people have, uh, you know, what looks like on paper a, a similar situation or a better situation doesn't mean that they're not struggling. And there is a need. There's a difference. Sure. There's
2: different levels of struggling, though, Neil, isn't there? There's levels of struggling where you might say, you know what, we can't afford that holiday this year. And there's levels of struggling which says I can't afford to buy clothes for my children.
6: Of you course, know. and that's why, Sarah, and I'll be making it quite clear that's why firstly there are targeted measures, and why the measures I expect, and again I don't have confirmation in detail, will be weighted heavily those that are most at risk and are at the mm. socially disadvantaged. I just but wonder I is it politically sure expedient no, for the government? Political. Is that
2: the reason? Because you know, by giving everybody a little bit, it's good for you, it's good for politics.
6: No, and I think that's not an unnecess- because it's
2: good for the most vulnerable people in this country.
6: No, and I think that's an unnecessarily cynical take on this, Sarah, because what the government are trying to do is intervene in a way that re- realizes that everybody. And we need to introduce that in uh, That's here, not this true. Really clear, not everybody
2: points. is struggling. There's lots of there's people in this country like who feel clear. the pinch, maybe, and don't like to see the big energy bill coming in the door, but they're sitting in their lovely retrofitted house and they're warm and they're cosy and they can afford to pay the bill. They're not struggling. It's not true to say everybody is struggling.
6: And it's very easy to paint that picture but what the government wants to make sure is that we put put together a package next week that is fair, that will absolutely target... So what's fair about giving those people and there's plenty of them.
2: What's fair about giving those people any support? They don't need it.
6: Again, Sarah, I've asked you twice, can I just finish the point? Because it is really important because it's very easy to divide people into camps and say it's us and against them. First and foremost, there are universal measures that worked extremely well last time that we were able to deliver in a more cost-effective and efficient way Mm. that got to everyone. But also, this will allow us to make sure that the targeted measures are genuinely targeted at the people who need the most. And I fully expect to see that announced next Tuesday.
0: All
2: right, Uh, we'll move on from that for the moment.
0: From Drive Time... And with Philip in for Clare on Tuesday, another measure up for debate. Should the eviction ban be extended beyond its March deadline? A discussion that should have been fairly run-of-the-mill, but morphed into something quite different. Debating, Labour TD Duncan Smith and Mary Conway, Chairperson of the Irish Property Owners Association. This is how it started.
4: Same question to both of you to begin first, please. The eviction ban which has been in place
7: since last November, Duncan Smith, has it worked? Uh, Yes, it's worked to an extent, even though we have seen homeless figures continue to rise. But I'm under no doubt that there are many, many people, many families that are still in tenancies because of this eviction ban I deal with dozens and dozens of them on a weekly basis Uh, and so do my colleagues and people right across the political uh, firmament. So I believe it has worked and we're in a situation now where we believe it has to be extended. There's not enough stock being brought on by the state uh, and we are facing a cliff edge beginning in April through May and June when this uh, eviction ban is due to unwind uh, where we will see those numbers which are at record 11,500 people including 3,000 children we believe that they will skyrocket, that this cliff edge is going to be met and will be fallen over if this eviction man isn't extended.
0: And then for her response.
7: Mary Conway, in place
4: since last November. Has it worked?
3: Well, we said at the time that we didn't think it was going to make any impression on the figures um, and the homeless figures are continuing to rise. And... Um, I think the the government looked at what happened during uh, COVID and they thought, yes, this is going to work. And they didn't think the thing out properly. When the eviction ban was on during COVID, people went back to their own countries. They went back to their homes down the country and it freed up a certain amount of, of property. Um, the whole failure of the government to build enough housing, social housing in particular, has put too much pressure on the private rental system. And landlords also have rights. Um, And some landlords are very hard pushed and they need to
4: sell their homes. Okay, How can you say that he hasn't worked, though? What evidence can you produce to say that there weren't more evictions that were prevented?
3: Well, we will never know that, um, but the homeless figures have continued to rise in the the presence of an eviction ban. But you
4: acknowledge that there is a possibility that evictions were prevented?
3: There is a possibility, yes. And it was then a discussion arose around those homelessness figures. Well, I would question where the homeless figures are coming from exactly. Um,
4: the local authorities. Mm.
3: Yes, and if I have, if there's somebody in Dublin, there are four local authorities in Dublin, and a, a tenant can apply to each local authority, so they're registered on each one as four different, in four areas, as being homeless. You know, I think we need. There's various people with interest here in producing these figures in homelessness, and we'd like to see the exact figures.
7: Well, th- there is a regional homeless executive for the four Dublin local authorities, which centralises those numbers. I mean, it's, I don't think it's in anybody's interest to inflate homelessness figures. There's there's in nobody's interest, uh, uh, I believe. So, I mean, the reason these figures take a while, like we're still waiting on January's figures, we're in the middle of February now, uh, is because they do take uh, a, a, a long time to collate because they're stringent. Okay. Uh, uh, schemes Who, who's, of place to do whose that.
4: interest do you think it is in Mary Conway to exaggerate the extent of homelessness?
3: Well, there are a lot of charitable organisations there that have been well funded um, to produce figures and. That's to a
4: very serious allegation. And you're not going to elaborate on it? No, no, no. You're going just, to you're you're just going to throw it out there and yeah, you're not going to.
3: The, that, the, we we need exact figures on homelessness, and <laughs> we need exact. You know, yeah. the R, the RTB are there with the. Uh, they're supposed to produce the figures on the number of evictions and all that? And we can't get those figures. So you know, there's a lot of things being stirred up in the media, and uh, not necessarily radio or television, but outside.
7: But um, if, if I may, Mary, I mean, if, if these figures are inaccurate, it's because they're being uh, underreported because they don't include rough sleepers, they don't include people that are couch surfing or those who are still living at home uh, or, or with friends. Uh, But but, but these figures are rigorous and and, and they're, they're, they're well tested.
0: And on the discussion went. Much of it, as you might expect, landlords paying mortgages and themselves in danger of falling into arrears, the difficulty of selling a property with tenants in situ. But then Philip asked this question and we will play it out in full.
4: Mary Conway, big picture kind of moral question here. In your view, in the view of the Irish Property Owners Association, does the moral right, because it is more of a moral than a legal right, does the moral right to safety, security, a roof over your head, not trump property rights?
3: Well, why did somebody buy a property in the beginning? It was to to supplement their own income, their pension or whatever, and um, so where is the moral in that somebody is trying to help protect their family? Um, the whole problem is that when a lot of landlords got into the market, they got in not thinking that they were going to have a tenant for years and years because most tenants move on or they're provided with a home. But because houses haven't been built or social authority houses haven't been there, tenants have stayed longer in the system than usual and that's something we're all coming up against for the very first time and how do you deal with it like a landlord who's 15 years into a a property you know the government they the bank are putting a squeeze on them to to pay their mortgage where does you know where's the moral in that
4: as duncan said there's a brutality to um bankruptcy arrangements to uh the way that uh, banks can end up foreclosing. But it's nothing like as brutal as ending up homeless.
3: Yes, I would agree.
4: You would agree? Yeah. So.
3: I don't think any landlord sets out to make somebody homeless. They don't, you know. Nobody has brought a property and thinking, oh, you know, I'm out here to get somebody or to get somebody out. But.
4: OK, but you are in here arguing that property rights trump rights of homelessness or the rights to a home. Are you not? Yes. You are. So you're contradicting yourself within your own argument.
3: Sorry, can we just backtrack on that again? What did you say to me there?
4: I'm I'm asking you, which right do you think, because they can't both be given equal or due regard, which right is most important? The rights... To property and to profit from property that you are trying to secure for your members and you <laughs> are arguing for here today, or th- 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 the right to a roof over your head.
3: You see, there's this impression that, that landlords are making a profit. Landlords are not making
4: no, a profit. No, no, no. no, no. Don't, 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 don't shift the goalposts. Let's just talk about those conflicting rights. Can they be given equal and due regard, or will one always trump the other? It's
0: debatable. Chairperson of the Irish Property Owners Association, Mary Conway, and with her, Labour's Duncan Smith. All with Philip on Tuesday. Back in a bit. Welcome back. Sinead Neullichon was down on the farm for the Darcy and Lambing season. Oh.
8: <laughs> Can you hear um, my friendly friends behind me here? <laughs> <laughs> They say
0: when you
3: go to the farm that you have to get your hands dirty. Yes. And I had only arrived here on James, James Fox's farm when I had to roll up my sleeves and literally get my hands dirty. A sheep was giving birth. No. And James asked me if I'd come in and help pull the sheep out or pull the lamb out. And would you believe I did it? Uh-huh. Well, it was amazing. Yes, it was amazing. There was there was blood. There's still a little bit of blood on my hands and uh, some goo as well. Film, I think, is maybe the correct term to use for it. That, that's, but it was it was a crazy experience.
8: Yes, like come on, that's 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 you were there <laughs> at a birth. That's yeah. That's Mother Nature at its best. I,
3: I feel like I should name the lamb.
8: What do you want to name <laughs> Maybe her? Sinead Sinead Excellent
0: choice. <gasps> on drive time. What's that floating in the water? And
9: if you can't see it,
8: does it really
10: matter?
9: We all know that humans actually carry an awful lot of bacteria on their outsides and their insides. A the typical person um, of average weight has about a kilogram of them, OK, living on them and within them. And whatever's on the outside of you, including what might be between your buttocks, actually will be solubilized and will go into the water of your hot tub or jacuzzi. So... What are you
10: actually oh. sitting in, I suppose, is the
9: question. <laughs> 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 and you
2: know,
0: sometimes it bubbles up into your mouth, that water. Oh, stop. It does, so it's bubbly. Stop. Ew, icky. And yes, the hygiene levels in your jacuzzi is indeed a first world problem. But giving us the lowdown, Primrose Freestone Senior Lecturer in Clinical Microbiology at the University of Leicester.
7: Well, okay,
9: well, waters, actually, <laughs> okay, so hot tub and jacuzzi waters, they're supposed to have disinfectants in them that okay. control the levels of bacteria. But the point is, once you all sort of get into your hot tub, you know, 104 degrees, 40 degrees, 104 Fahrenheit, 40 degrees centigrade, okay, the disinfectant levels go down. And if you're actually, instructions are that you don't change your um, jacuzzi water for three months, the bacteria in there are going to grow. So whatever's on you ends up in them and you end up sharing that with everybody else in your jacuzzi.
0: A lot of information. But if you will insist on those hot bubbles, this was offered as advice.
9: If you actually want to sort of have a kind of rule of thumb about whether or not it's safe to get into somebody's jacuzzi or hot tub, especially, I suppose, if it's in a sort of um, spa or, or gym or whatever, mm. how it smells is actually one of the key sort of indicators <laughs> of how safe it is to get in. Go on. So even if the water of the hot tub looks nice and clean, and you, but you can actually smell it... Don't get in it. If you okay. can smell they the water, really and even if it thing. smells
2: like sort of like chlorine sort of disinfectant smell, if you can smell it at all, is it? Don't go in. Is that what you're Don't saying? Go Don't go in.
0: Don't go in. Ew, drive time. Let's leave that one there and move instead to the golf course. The right place you might ask for a tampon exchange? Hmm, let's set the scene. We are at the Riviera Country Club in California at the Genesis Invitational with Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas. Take it away, Des.
11: There was a bizarre incident on the 15th hole that's getting a lot of traction now this morning. Tiger hit his drive further than Justin Thomas. Thomas normally hits it further than Tiger. And Tiger handed Thomas a tampon as they walked off the tee box. Thomas immediately dropped it and the two men laughed. It was a bizarre episode.
10: Is this something new among men in well, yeah, I, I was culture? What What does it mean?
11: Yeah, I, I what I interpreted it as was I've driven it further than you. You're a woman. That's what I interpreted it as. That's just a speaking. And um, things. like the judgment call is is shocking, but that's how I interpreted it. And the two men laughed, and people are saying it's a prank, and it's. it's I think a it's a so story that's just going to gather traction as the day goes on.
0: Oh, Desmond, how right you are. Fast forward to
9: one forty-five.
10: For God's sake, don't be taking it so personally. I am
9: a woman, I will take it personally. So am I. And so, so am I. Am I. Am I'm, I'm trying sort of sort of to, to, to my my racket for so many men and, and girls. They would be fine if that's their mindset. Why are we going head to head?
0: Uh, because you're on live line. But in fairness, people were getting very hot under the collar on this one. Here's Emma.
12: When I heard about this, I I I was kind of stunned, you know, and um, I couldn't I couldn't really I couldn't really gather my thoughts for a moment. But then it occurred to me that you could roll your eyes and tot and say, mm-hmm. "Oh, more of the same," and dismiss this as infantile, pure behaviour. However, I think it's important not to stop. At the eye rolling and to actually speak out about this as it's much worse than just mere infantile behaviour and on many levels. And I think firstly the so-called prank was predicated on the notion that menstruation equals women and that women equal weakness and that women are on the back foot and that they are weak compared with masters of the universe like Tiger Woods. And secondly, I think that this nonsensical so-called prank reduces all women down to a tampon which clearly shows that Woods and Thomas deem women beneath them and the surreptitious manner in which he handed him the tampon mm-hmm. as well because I saw the clip, pathetic really and the way that the two of them snigger and put the arms around each other suggests he planned this so-called joke and then the way the two of them laugh shows that they share the, the sexism of...
1: So they, knew, the, they his, knew. what they both knew what the gag was.
12: Yeah, totally, and you can see the arrogance of the pair of them.
0: However, Timmy phoned in, and for him, this was a bit of a
13: non-story. I'm surprised we're giving it so much airtime, to be honest with you, because we don't know the ins and outs of the story, and we're all speculating.
1: We're trying to, we're trying to end the speculation. But the you can't fa- end the
13: speculation right. until you speak to the two people in question.
1: Well, everything
13: it, else is just yeah, speculation. I don't think any of us should be speculating until we get the full ah, okay, story. Someone but then, should have asked Tiger Woods okay, well, what well, was the meaning of that, or asked the other golfer what was the meaning yeah, of think,
1: that. Do you think they're going to tell us?
13: Well, we don't know unless have we are. Have you ever seen? You yeah, yeah, can't yeah, turn around and say yeah, yeah,
1: we okay, don't know well well the whole story. You, so, if you, if you, if we'll you think, Yeah, yeah. Well, then, if you think it's pointless, don't bother ringing Joe
0: So there, but Ashling and Joan had a view.
1: Women. By and
9: large, don't hit the ball anywhere near what the men do. Yeah. Fair yeah. enough, right? And so what? Like, so, so that's what? no, so I, what? no, that's no derog- derogation of women, obviously. So to take this bloody thing on on a, a crusade, I think is really stupid. All he was saying, like, I mean, I, my I favourite fellas who used to call women golfettes. Okay, look, big deal, you know. You beat them then on the hole, and you say, look, Joe, jo, well, I've wonder been... I've how his been... Daughter, I wonder how Tiger Woods' daughter would feel about this when she's older. Forget about his son because he won't can be you stop, the Can you stop bringing... OK, one other thing, Joe. Maybe you should ring Buckingham Palace considering King Charles had a big, um, a yes, big well, news station. You, were... you remember that incident. Mm. Do, you, uh, do you get me? I'm just bringing it down to some sort of a, a ridiculous level, which, which
10: is what it is.
1: The phone, no, call was the phone call Respect with
10: Camilla.
14: For
0: yeah. Brenda, will you the ring Buckingham Palace and, him us us and tell him Joe is on the
1: line?
10: With, with Left a
0: message. And then Brian came on the line.
14: Go ahead, Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, t- I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Thanks, uh, Brian. Thank you very I've, I've, much. I've engulfed myself. Okay. The reason for it, and it's, it, it is quite funny, is the reason it, it, that the pest that tampon on was he was treating him as a lady, as a joke because the ladies' tees are, are forward to the men's. Mm-hmm. And I suppose he was hoping that he would out- outdrive at some hole at some stage, and that's the reason he did it. He did it very discreetly, it's just that it was caught on cam- camera. But a lot of people don't understand golf there, and that's the reason he did it. It was a joke by the fact that he was, t- t- he was treating him as a lady because he outdriven, he him. But how, since,
1: when so does a, the, since when does a tampon come to symbolise a woman?
14: Uh, well, it was only a joke. Well, I don't think men <laughs> use them, but uh, that was the—that's the—that's re- the reason for that. That's all it is. And people <laughs> who say
1: people who say it's uh, misogynistic, it's sexist, it's juvenile. What would you say uh, to tolerant.
14: them? Right? Not at all. Okay. People would say people say anything anyway.
0: Mm-hmm. Here's Emma.
14: The joke was is that he was treating him as a lady. <laughs> the lady
12: <goes> that. <laughs> Not, that in itself isn't a joke I mean I really don't <laughs>
14: I, I, I thought it was very funny when I saw it anyway Golly It's just a pity it was caught um, on camera
12: well, in a way, whether or not it was caught on camera is irrelevant. However, the, the, the idea that it's a pity that it was caught on camera, so it's fine for Tiger Woods to be badly behaved yeah. off camera, but just because he gets caught, then it's a shame, and poor Tiger gets caught, and yeah. everybody's giving uh, out about him. I d- think it's a terrible attitude, um, and it's, terrible, it's terribly reductionist. Yeah, it's so, a reductionist. out of a <laughs>
14: just a mountain be made out of a
12: molehill <laughs> it's not really though because it's about a bigger thing <laughs>
14: oh, I'm sure. score,
1: oh eh?
12: indeed well so that's a separate issue entirely it didn't, it didn't harm know. his what Brian his score his score <laughs>
0: hmm not quite sure there will be a meeting of minds here anyway on we go it's
12: a- impresses me that we're here in 2023 and we're having the same old conversation, and it's about young boys yeah. and young girls and, and young people seeing these influential athletes who they look up to behaving would, like they that. They wouldn't
14: have known what it was. What? They wouldn't know what it was. They wouldn't know what it was. Well,
12: we of course they know what it was because it's all over the bloody newspapers. Of course they know what mm-hmm. it is. It's not good enough. You know, if, if you're, you're not a woman yourself, you don't understand what it's like to have jokes like that made against you all the time. Mm -hmm. But it
14: wasn't made against against women. It was made against uh, uh,
12: Justin Lennon. Yeah, but that's the point. The point is the joke is on your man, Justin Thomas, and the joke is that he is uh, only akin to a lady golfer. Do you not see how that is is suggesting that on every level women are second to men? That's what the joke is No, I said on that particular shot. Yeah, of course yeah. I, but don't you see how that's where the problem lies
0: over to Joe for a finish on this one
1: well I tell you something Brian if we have if I menstruated if I had to go through the menopause as a man if I had to go through that morning sickness so that, that those women because they're women. That that is the, the what they go through because they are women. I tell you there'll be a lot more and I know you do respect women, there'll be a lot more respect for them in this country. And a dope like Tiger Woods, a billionaire dope like Tiger Woods, wouldn't be going to get probably got one of his lackeys to fetch a tampon for him to slip it in the public in public into the hand of another golfer. Give me a break.
4: Talk to Joe on 0818.
0: 0818- back in a bit. Welcome back. Did your heart soar? Did you give thanks for all the good things? We speak, of course, of World Radio Day, Monday. I'm sure it didn't pass you by. This year's theme, peace. And for Culture Files, Luke Clancy, a trip back to his grandmother's workshop at the docks as she sat at her sewing machine.
11: And there she is at her machine, a heavy singer brand built into a table, a motor tucked underneath, directed in volleys from a foot pedal, worked by a loafer last seen on the foot of Catherine Hepburn. At least I feel that was a role model for Mrs F, a woman left holding all the babies when my grandfather finally did do her a favour, and up and went. Their screwball comedy was missing its happy ending. But like that, it doesn't sound much like peace. But maybe that's because there's one track missing from the mix that second sound ducking and layering with the pulsing needle the radio. Now,
13: today I start with
11: the radio brought its own problems.
10: I can keep company with it now.
11: But it's burble work to hold the piece where it needed to be. Hold it for a minute while Mrs F swept her nub of chalk over chintz and corduroy, did actual cuts and actual pastes, then got back to her machine and its timeline of thread. She died soon after stepping into the street across the path of a motorcyclist. She wasn't the same after that, the daughters agreed. She's at peace now, I remember them saying. She often was, I think.
0: Luke Clancy from Culture File. But with Valentine's Day on Tuesday, love was all over the place, even if it might not have lasted forever and ever. We heard stories of passion, heartbreak, and perhaps forgiveness. With Brendan, actor and now author Pamela Anderson. Yes, she of Baywatch and more. And she talked about her relationship with Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee. Fast and furious was how they met.
13: The beginnings, I guess we were aware of it at the time, but I had forgotten. That basically, he followed you down to Mexico. And then you went out for a night. And then you pretty much got married.
15: Yeah. Yeah didn't take much well he did he followed me down to mexico i was on a photo shoot and he said i'm coming to mexico and i said oh my gosh please don't come to mexico <laughs> and then he said oh i'm on the plane i'm drinking whiskey i'm eating peanuts i'm gonna be there i'm gonna find you and uh, actually funny enough it was around valentine's day it was around this time i guess that many years ago and that was it
0: but happily ever after for pamela and tommy not to be and brendan for one
13: was sad I kind of found it a bit heartbreaking because I know that Tommy was, he was very jealous. Eventually there was that incident of assault and everything, but it felt like you knew you had to leave Tommy, but you really didn't Mm. want to, did you?
15: Of course not. No. The hardest job in the world is to leave someone you love. And when all you want is for them to love you, not hurt you. And I think that's a struggle for a lot of women. I was too afraid to choose Tommy. I chose my kids. I wanted my kids to be safe. I, I didn't want them to see violence in the house. I didn't want them to grow up in a, any kind of, in that kind of environment.
0: And there was, of course, that tape.
15: A, a big part of the, a
13: fulcrum kind of in your life, I guess, was, was that unauthorised release of a sex tape uh, of you and Tommy. Do I get the sense, partially at least, that you blame the release of the sex tape for ruining your relationship with Tommy?
15: Well, I mean, these, this uh, the safe at the size of a refrigerator was stolen out of our house. It had all sorts of things in the safe, and I guess there were some home movies in there that they took some of the pieces and put them together, spliced them together. There was no sex tape yes, made. It yes, yes,
13: I beg your pardon. Yeah, family. Yeah.
15: It was private, yeah. and um, it was stolen property. But yeah, it was difficult. It was already difficult. You know, we were getting to know each other, and we were pregnant, and we were um, having babies, and and dealing with the a lot of attention and then this being stolen, it definitely took its toll. It definitely it was it was a lot, and yeah. it took its toll. I don't think either of us were mature enough to get through it, but I'm sad we let... I feel like in some ways we let our kids down, but he's doing great. Brant and Tommy's, you know, happily married, and he's good, and, you know, I don't want to be the annoying ex-wife that just is keeping going on about this. It's just a small yeah, part yeah. of my life story, gotcha. but I... Um, you know, I wish the best for everybody and we're all in a good place. There's no bad feelings. There's no hard yeah. feelings anywhere. I, I forgive everybody that's ever hurt me in my life. And I think that's a healthy thing to do.
0: But Brendan, well, he was quite invested in this
13: one. It's very clear that uh, Tommy <laughs> Lee was the big love of your life, wasn't he?
15: Well, he gave me two beautiful kids and so have to thank him for that. Yeah, I've loved other people, but yes, Tommy and I and the boys when the four of us were together that was the true love story of my life the four of us
13: it feels a bit like you never got over him
15: probably not I mean do we ever get over anybody yeah I mean I tried to I mean I went on and I I married other people but I just recently when I was looking back and writing my book and looking at old videos and things thinking I was really in love I was really happy I really loved my boy's father and you know, you can kind of just dance around it and put it behind you. And there's been times I've been angry and times I haven't thought of him. But, you know, I have to honour that and thank him and, and forgive him and all those good things. And it's it's kind of feels, I feel free of it, but I I can't um, deny that um, it was the best time in my life. Pamela Anderson with Brendan.
0: And with Ryan Shan Phillips. The actor has contributed to a new documentary from Jim Sheridan. It's called Peter O'Toole Along the Sky Road to Akaba. And Shan and O'Toole were married for 20 years, and theirs too was a romance destined to happen, although perhaps not to last.
10: I just saw him by chance. I'd heard of him, of course, because he'd been at the Royal Academy before me, where I still was. And after lunch, I stood on the pavement, and he passed by. He was up visiting the, uh, that neighborhood uh, over the weekend. He was at the Bristol O'Vic Vic. And I saw him, and we chatted, and uh, his fame had gone before him, of course, as an old student. And I thought, as he walked away, I thought, okay, so I'll marry him one day. And I never thought about it again. <sighs> I really didn't. I mean, it was as simple as that. It sounds odd, but there you go. It was odd.
16: It might have been odd, but this this, is what happened. So it's a matter of fact. Yes, it did.
10: I didn't make any effort to see him again, any effort to call him or meet up or go to see him in a play or invite him to see me. Nothing at all. And then we were just cast together in a play as brother and sister. And um,
16: and then that was it. I know, and on it goes. But let me, let me go back to that point that you made. I'm going to marry that man someday. Why? Yeah. Why, why did you think that? What was it? What was the essence I, of I that reaction? I have no reaction? idea. I'm
10: sorry. I really can't tell you that. It is, as you say, a bit uh, otherworldly. I have no idea, and it wasn't of any importance to me at the time. I didn't. I didn't think of it at all. Yes. And I never gave it another thought. It was just a fact of my life. A fact of life. Okay.
0: And although their 20-year marriage would end in divorce, there was much about it that had been good.
16: I liked, uh, at the time of Lawrence of Arabia, how I just felt your relationship was came across as very beautiful at that point. How, yes. as part of the contract, yes, he made sure that you got to fly yes. out every month. Can, yes. you, can you talk to me a little bit about that?
10: Well, I was amazed because we had had a very difficult time before that. I wasn't at all sure where I stood. And... Um, I'd been. We, we were both in Stratford when, when um, he made his first big, big, big success as, 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 as Shylock in, in the RSC, one of the great, great performances. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that was touch and go, that it was going to happen at all. And um, so we got through that. And then, oh, we had uh, another falling out over something. And, of course, he wasn't ready. It was he that wanted to start a family and be married. I had no intention of getting married or starting a family. And um, I said, "Okay, I hadn't thought about that, but yes, okay, let's try. So we did. And it really didn't work. I mean, it was hopeless. So um, I came back to London and I was working with the Royal Shakespeare in London. And uh, suddenly he seemed to have a personality change. I didn't question it at the time because I was so relieved. And I thought, well, this is this is very good, yeah. yeah. So I didn't. We didn't talk about it. He never said why. He never said what had happened. He just. Uh, we just had a very, very nice time. Very nice.
16: And did it last a long time?
10: It did. Oh yes,
16: mm. it lasted a very long time. Yeah.
0: And with two children and shared interests, there was wasn't always the high flying glamour you might think.
16: Your yeah. relationship with Peter O'Toole wasn't so spectacularly different to that of any other couple going through the motions of of the of, of the quotidian re- marriage.
10: I would I would tend to agree with you, ex- except in as he was different. You know, Go he on. Was, he was a little bit more so than than most of us.
16: W- was he a difficult having, man?
10: Oh, no. No he wasn't difficult he was terribly easygoing actually and he was we, we had a very quiet life on the whole our life really wasn't very interesting uh, but, but it was he was a bit more of everything
16: he mm. was a bit a bit extra
10: he was a bit extra and that bit extra sometimes made it wonderful and sometimes made it terrible and listening to Shan
0: Phillips talk you can clearly hear her love for him and their relationship but you can also hear her sadness when she talks about their breakup, a split that was acrimonious, and very final.
16: We began our interview with with you saying that you knew immediately you were going to marry this man, and yeah, uh, yeah. sadly, you know, after you you moved out of the family home, you packed yeah. two cases. You you wrote, "I knew I'd yeah. never you I knew I'd never see O'Toole again." Um, yeah,
10: I did know. I did know.
16: You I know, know. Y- you have this. Yeah. I don't know if it's prescience um or...
10: oh, well I, I just knew that it was not in his character he could never speak to me again i Be- knew because because he was angry with me he was um he was uh, bereaved he was um confused uh, he was whatever you, you you want to say i i don't know I can't see it in his head, but i knew that he would never speak to me again.
16: You said he it. he prided himself on his resolutely unforgiving nature. Did was there any sense yeah, of Yeah, which
10: was a, which is a, a bad thing, I think. I don't think I think a lot of his uh, his bad things were good things, but I think this bad thing was a bad thing. Uh, hate to the grave. I don't think is a good yeah. a good uh, expression. I I don't think I don't like it
16: anyway. Was there any peace in the valley between you in the end at all or was it just a little No,
10: no. No, no I I didn't see no. I didn't see him again.
16: Would you? Would you? I mean, I don't know. Would you? Would have? Could have? Should have? But would you rather have had a different ending in that story?
10: Um. Yes, of course I would. Yes, of course. Yeah,
16: yeah. yeah. And Some
10: kind of reconciliation. Yes, of course. Yeah. As you said. But I knew it would. I knew it would never ever happen. So I never allowed myself to uh, to wish for that.
0: Shan Phillips with Rhine. And coming after Pamela Anderson, we've had two quite bittersweet stories there. But we will turn to poetry for something with perhaps equal parts grit and tenderness. Drive Time brought us Colm Keegan and his poem Love This Day.
17: Love the young people going out for dinner in a posh restaurant dressed in grown-up clothes. Love the mothers, the fathers who say it's a load of waffle but throw our fives and tenners anyway for big old teddy bears and two-for-one specials in the local pizza shop. Love the 30-something bloke who buys flowers who's too cheap to play for flower delivery and walks the gauntlet of rush hour traffic. That's a long walk. Love the old man who says better not go home empty-handed to the old ball and chain. We know where he hides his tears at night. Love the woman who isn't going to fall for hearts and chocolates anymore. Love the way she throws empty gestures in the bin and walks out to door, love the dance floor, love the fact that yeah there's going to be a lot of lost and honest coupling tonight but that there's also going to be a lot of shared eye contact while two people strive to be something more than what they could achieve alone, love all that glorious late night closing time desperation, love the hope rising like a bucking horse behind so many rib cages. love that stock motion video of a field of new flowers blooming, love the boom and air chattering rumble of so many beating hearts, love the little glimmer of risk where all love starts love yourself, love the fact that you don't have to do anything just because demands it. Love that you can love who you want, how you want and when you want and on your own terms once they're equal terms. Love that love doesn't run out. We do that or we don't. Love this day and all of its nonsense and take the real deal boy, the scruff when it comes.
0: Beautiful. Love this day from Colum Keegan bringing us to the Darcy moonlighting yet again as a wedding DJ. Now he has wooed us on this one before he knows it. We know it too but it is still a
5: cracker.
8: You can jive to that. You can throw yourself around. And yet, you have to be aware of the cool cousin. You the other cool cousin. You have to please them as well. You need something slightly alternative for them. Slightly alternative. Now the teenagers are going, all those songs are over 20 years old, I wasn't even born. So you go, yes, OK. So you've everyone on the floor now, everyone. You've, you've satisfied them all, they're all moving and they're limbered up and warmed up. And So now you can ask them to do things that they wouldn't normally do. Like sit on the floor rock the boat and don't rock the boat baby rock the boat i don't tip the boat over rock. rock the boat i don't rock the boat baby rock the boat back front left right back front left right
10: your touches thrilled me like easy now
8: help granny up off the floor yes yes
14: You're
8: Close to the end now, yes we are, yes we are, yes we are. She was
12: a sexy lady. She had to get She all the music the,
8: beat, the tempo. She was for that night. She
10: was in for
8: Now, the Ant from America is looking at you as you go, Oogie, 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 just going, What's going on here? Please play something I know. Play something I know, thank you. Hand, touching
16: hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you.
8: Played out for 14 minutes. I've been inclined oh, oh, oh. to believe there never was but now i
14: in every live. lonely city da, da, da. where I hang my
5: hat.
8: Yeah. Oh, Peter Kaye. Yeah, I didn't Peter K did do this one? Yes. That's pretty. Tony Christie did the original. Swear
17: my baby's ass.
8: Shut up and dance.
17: Is this the way
14: to?
8: Get that wrong. I'm a real o I've been weeping like a willow crying over Amarillo and sweet Marie who waits for me. This is this Shalala Shalala
14: Sho. And Marie who waits
8: for me. Oh, they're looking for the defibrillator later now. <laughs> Whew.
14: If I can make it there I'm gonna make it anywhere It's up to you New York
0: New York We are done. Thank you, Darcy. That is it from this week's playback. Thank you for listening.
8: Where did I get that bruise shin?
0: Talk to you next week.